reading those verses really inspires me to hope and peace and joy and love. Like you can feel that stuff and you just kind of want to sit there and meditate on that for a while. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. That's hopeful. It's a hopeful passage. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was coming into the world to be with us. All who received him, he gives the right to become children of God, born of God. That's just really encouraging. But there is at least one difficulty that arises from this passage, and that's the idea that the light, which gives light to everyone, is also the light which some don't receive. That only some receive him, only some become children of God. So the question I think is, what is what's John getting at here when he talks about the light? Is if Jesus is the light, like shouldn't everybody be able to see him clearly? And what does he mean when he says that the light is given to everybody, but then also some do not receive him? So let's first talk about the light and what that is. I was on sabbatical this summer and uh, a few people, a few members of our church actually spoke, uh, and Kate Minnick shared from First John, um, and, and I went back and listened to it, and it was excellent, uh, and she talked a good bit about light, and I loved what she shared about, the, about light as a particle, right? That we know that light travels at over like 186,000 miles per second, and that it means it takes about eight minutes and 20 seconds, or eight minutes, whatever, eight and a half minutes for light to travel almost 93 million miles from the sun to the earth. So it would take actually about 2.5 million years for light to travel from the Andromeda galaxy to our eyes here on earth, if all that is true, if we've got our numbers right. But the phenomenal thing about it, regardless of all those numbers, is that no matter how long it goes, no matter the amount of time, in all those years, in all that traveling that light does, light doesn't change. Light doesn't age. It's always true to what it always was. When the light reaches us here on earth, say from the sun, it's the same as it was when it left its place of origin. Kate was right. She said, God knows what metaphor to pick to tell us something about himself. God is light. He is never changing. That's really, that's that's so awesome. But not only that, but light does something when it enters a space too, right? It lights it up. Like the light doesn't change, but it does change what it shines on. It overcomes darkness. It makes everything visible. It exposes everything for what it really is. So when John refers to Jesus as coming into the world as the light coming into the world, who's given to everyone, what's he getting at? Well, we know what light does. It doesn't change, but it changes its surroundings. It overcomes darkness. It makes everything visible. It exposes everything. And what John is really getting at, I think, is that the light, that's Jesus, who's coming into the world, is the ultimate truth. He's the ultimate reality. He's from eternity, like we talked about last week. He's from the very beginning. He is our life. The truth of who we are and why we exist And how we should live all starts from and comes from Jesus. And so when things are seen in the light of Jesus, everything can be seen for what it really is. So Jesus comes, and when he comes, he comes as a light. 
This is what John says. The unchanged truth. The unchanged like reality. He exists from eternity past and into eternity future and is responsible for creating and giving us life and nothing is hidden from him and everything becomes visible. Everyone is exposed for who they really are in the light of Christ. And when we're exposed, it's really hard. I think actually it's impossible, right, to stand up next to the whole truth and nothing but the truth and still look good and try to make ourselves look good. And this, I think, is what makes it hard to receive Jesus, the light. This is why John says, he says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. But then he also says, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So he gave it to everybody, but some didn't receive him. It isn't that he can't be seen. It's not uh, that he can't be understood by everyone, and it isn't that he isn't given to everyone, just like the passage says. It is that we may not like what exposure feels like. We may not like what exposure feels like, and we may be scared to be seen and too scared to come out of our hiding. And this is what I want us to know this morning. This is what I want you to know this morning, is that the light of Jesus that exposes us for who we really are is a good gift of love that we are given and that we can receive without fear. You know, when John says that Jesus came to his own and they didn't receive him, I think of the Pharisees, specifically, uh, who tried to hide when the light exposed them. It's a struggle that we see throughout the Gospels in the New Testament. The Pharisees and other religious leaders as well of Jesus' day loved to look good, right? They loved to put up appearances. They liked being the leaders. They liked... Uh, being like the model of holiness for the people. And Jesus confronts one of these Pharisees in Luke eleven thirty-seven through 41. And this is how that is recorded there. It says, while Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked, uh, asked him to dine with him. So he went in and he reclined at the table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish. But inside you are full of greed and wickedness, you fools. Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give his alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. See, Jesus like steps on the scene, and he holds even these religious leaders up to the light, to the truth, to the heart of what worshiping God is. And he exposes their sin. He exposes their guilt. He exposes that they're just like everybody else, that they need a Savior. And they didn't like it. It was like a constant fight in the story, right? The religious, the religious leaders like, just kept trying to hide from the light. But, but here's what the uh, Pharisees didn't understand, and I think it's what we need to know. That's it. Jesus doesn't shine his like exposing light on them or on us in order to cancel us or in order to condemn us. He shines the light in order to redeem you. Right? He shines his light in order to make you truly good. He shines and exposes the truth as a gift so he can make you good. Exposure does seem scary though, right? Like if you've ever been in the dark for long, you know how this works. If you're in a movie theater for a while or maybe you go in a cave and then you come back out and you come out and you see the light, it kind of hurts your eyes for a little bit and it's uncomfortable. And the truth is that there is some discomfort involved when receiving the light of Jesus. 
letting him expose the truth of the idolatry and the sin and our shortcomings that we carry. There is some discomfort in being honest. There is some discomfort in exposing all the things that aren't good in you and in me. Even if it's just exposing the truth like between you and God, that's un- it's still uncomfortable to come to terms with it. But remember who we're talking about here. Like remember who we're talking about this morning. Remember what season we're in. We're in the season of Advent. We're celebrating what? The coming of Jesus. Right? Like, yeah, this is Jesus who is the creator of the world and who's eternal and he's God and he's the truth and he's the eternal creator and all that. He's the, he's the great judge of the world. But it's also Jesus who, who John is telling us in this passage stepped into the world. He stepped into the world. He put on flesh to dwell among us. He came to be with us. And later in the chapter, we're going to see in a couple weeks, John the Baptist proclaims Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins, our sins. He came. Jesus came. He came to you. And he came to die for you. And he came to redeem you. And he came to restore you to be truly good as he created you to be. And so when we celebrate his coming, I mean, that's what we're happy about, right? is that he came to take away our sin. So yeah, there's, there's discomfort in being exposed and in being honest and letting the light shine on us and receiving that. But we should also know that he can be trusted. The light came as a gift and we can trust him. We can receive it. John 1, 6-8 is kind of stuck in here too. Talks a little bit about John the Baptist and I think that it helps call us to action. So I'm going to read that. Let's read John 1, 6-8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. I think John the Baptist demonstrates what living in the light looks like. Anybody remember the song Jesus Freak by DC Talk? Yeah? Of course, yeah. I'm not, a, I'm not a great rapper, but, but there's a part here, and it goes like this. You guys can just rap along with me if you want to. There was a man from the desert with naps in his head. The sand that he walked was also his bed. No, nobody's going to take it. The words that he spoke made the people assume there wasn't too much left in the upper room. With skins on his back and hair on his face, they thought he was strange by the locusts he ate. See, the, tri- the Pharisees tripped when they heard him speak until the king took the head of this Jesus freak. So awesome. I can rap that a lot better when I'm in my car, though. And you, guys, and you guys aren't there. Jesus freak. It's, it's, yeah. Anyways. John the Baptist, I mean, look, this just demonstrates that John the Baptist is known for not looking good, right? He's known for the skins on his back and the naps in his hair and the hair on his face, the locusts he ate, right? He's known for not looking good and for making a really big deal about Jesus. He was a Jesus freak right? He gave up any like false ideas of putting on appearances. His whole life was about laying his own glory aside in order to give glory to Christ. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. I think John the Baptist models for us what it means to live in the light. There's another good DC talk song about, but anyways, 
He models for us what it means to live in the light. And the Apostle John's uh, drawing our attention to John the Baptist here, I think, calls us to action in following that model. Reflecting on this passage, author uh, Gary Berg calls us to a deliberate faith that joins with divine transformation. A deliberate faith that joins with divine transformation. And I think that's what we're called to as well. I think that's what John the Baptist is modeling for us. A faith that is deliberate in joining with divine transformation in and through Christ. It's a life that is purposely putting himself in the exposing, redeeming light of the Savior. In other words, I think that you and I need to stop hiding. We need to stop hiding. We need to lay aside any ideas we have of looking good or putting on appearances or protecting a reputation and deliberately like, receive the gift of Jesus, the truth, the light, who is our life, and trust him. Trust him to, to expose that which is broken, knowing that he's doing it in order to redeem and restore and transform us into what is actually and truly good. We've been throwing around this statement. I call it like an essential intent uh, statement, but we've been throwing it around a lot lately. And, and honestly, my goal is for everybody who's a part of this church to know it and to live it together. Like if somebody were to ask you what church you go to or what your church is about or what your church does, this is what I, first of all, this is what I want to be true about us. And second of all, this is what I would like it if we were able to just roll it off our tongues because it's true and because we know it. And it goes like this. We know, so somebody asks you, hey, what's your church about? And you would say, well, we know that the church has often misrepresented Jesus. So we're striving to make the real Jesus known by being honest about our failures, loving the way he loves, serving the city for the good of all, and inviting everybody into the family of God. That, that means we want to make the real Jesus known because we think that the church has often played uh, the Pharisee and has misrepresented who Jesus really is in order to glorify ourselves and that we're a part of that. Now with a passage like this from Scripture, it's about light that's pushing back the darkness and it's coming into the world for everyone. I think there's an evangelistic element to it for sure, right? And what I really, really, really wanted to talk about this morning in some ways, uh, I just wanted to tell you to do that last part, to go and make the real Jesus known by loving, by serving, and by inviting. Because those are really tangible things that we can say to go and do. But I keep getting hung up on this first part of the statement. Like everywhere we've been going in Scripture, I'm just confronted with it over and over and over again. It's this idea that the way we best make Jesus known is by being honest about our failures and our weaknesses and our shortcomings. By being honest about our failures with God and with ourselves, with each other and with others. And I think it's such a huge thing that God wants for us. I think it's a huge thing that God wants to do in us. I think he wants to make that a true statement about us at Redemption Church, that we can be honest about our failures, that we trust that Jesus will redeem us and ultimately be exalted in our shortcomings. And it's for us. It's also evangelistic. Because if we would, if we would love people and if we would serve them and if we would invite them uh, to, to know the real Jesus, like, effectively, if we were to do those things effectively, 
we'd have to be living in the light. If it's going to be effective, we have to be living in the light. We have to be living exposed. We don't have to be like John the Baptist and eat locusts and whatnot, but we, we do have to live in the light like John the Baptist lived in the light. We have to deliberately trust him with our failures and trust him with our mistakes and trust him with our weaknesses and our shortcomings and all the things that aren't actually good about us. We've got to be able to trust him to be real about that and be open and honest about it. We have to be looking for Jesus to make himself look good through us and not looking to use Jesus to make ourselves look good. I don't know if you're doing, a, if anybody's doing a devotional or some reading plan or something like that through Advent. Several of you, several of you probably are. Some of you aren't. But, but I want to encourage you all this season to do something together. I want you to set aside time in some way, shape, or form to do at least two things. The first one is what I said last week. It's to exalt Jesus. To exalt Jesus, to slow down and to savor who Jesus really is and to get to know him, to meditate on what's true about him. What does this passage in Scripture, what does John 1 tell us about who God is and what he does? And then meditate on that and just slowly Get to know him and, and savor that. I think that seeing who he truly is will help you trust him. And the second thing I want you to do is to spend some time prayerfully considering the ways that you are prone to hide from the light. What are the ways that you're prone to hide from the light? In what ways are you tempted to hide from Jesus? Perhaps it's even behind your faith. What don't you want him to touch? Uh, then I'm going to challenge us all, me too, write it down. Prayerfully consider it and then write it down. What's the thing you're tempted to hide from Jesus? And write it down. And then visit it every day. And be honest with God about it. If it's there, let him shine a light on it. Slow down. Savor Jesus. See that you can trust him. Ask him to shine a light on what you're prone to hide. And then meet his transforming work with deliberate faith. Write it down and then commit to come out of hiding with somebody. First and foremost with God. Come out of hiding with God. And depending on what the thing is and what you're talking about, that looks different for everybody. I get that. There's appropriate people to share appropriate things with and whatnot. But come out of hiding with somebody. Come out of hiding with God. Come out of hiding from yourself. And then come out of hiding with somebody else. Maybe it's your spouse or a friend, or your family, or your DNA group, or your DNA partners, maybe it's your missional community, whatever makes sense. That's what I challenge us to do. The good news of Advent is that the true light has come. And Christ, who is our life, shines on you so that you can be a child of God through Him. You know, he came to get you in the condition that you're in. He's not fooled by any facade we would put up. I think even we are fooled by it often. God's not. It's already exposed. He sees. He isn't fooled by any facade, and he knows the whole truth about you, and he came to get you in the condition that you're in. He came to take away your sin and to help you become truly good and to give you the ability to live in the light you were created to live in. You can live this life 
putting on appearances and trying to make yourself look good. Even convincing yourself that you're, you're good all on your own, but as they say, the, the truth, only the truth can set you free. Living in the light, submitting all of life to the empowering presence and lordship of Jesus Christ leads to healing in you, and not only for you, but it leads to healing for people around you. It leads to healing for the world we live in. As the light of Jesus shines through you and shines through us, and pushes back the darkness. We're going to move into a time of response, as we do each week. There's a few things we're going to do. The band is going to come and lead us through this time. And they will come and they'll take communion. And you can come and either side here, uh, and you can take the bread, and you dip it in the wine or the juice. The bread representing the body of Christ that was broken for you. The wine and the juice representing the blood of Christ that was shed for you. And when we do this together, we're proclaiming Christ our Savior. We're proclaiming that the light came, that he came for us, that he saved us. That he is who he says he is, that he's done what he said he would do. And so we come and we proclaim that and we remember that together. So if you're a Christian, whether you're a member at Redemption Church or not, we invite you to come and take with us. During this time also, you can uh, give your tithes and offerings in the basket in the back. There's some other instructions there on how you can give if you need to give in other ways and then also of course the band is coming to lead us in song and we're going to sing together and we're going to worship our God and exalt Jesus together. It's a good time for you to also reflect and pray. If you need to grab somebody to pray with, do that and uh, let's worship God together. I'm going to pray for us and we'll move into that time.